Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222. Uh, you Billikens says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Brian Kelly, I appreciate it. Tom Ackerman with you. Sports on a Sunday morning. BK with the news there. And we were chatting a little bit this morning about the top sports story in 2020. Look, I uh, not top. I said best sports story in 2020. We know what the top story is, and that is COVID. Uh, we know what uh, stories broke our hearts, and uh, two of those would be the passings of uh, Bob Gibson and Lou Brock. And certainly there were a lot of tough stories this year across sports and in our lives. But one thing I did want to try to do today was to find a silver lining in 2020 and what were some of the best sports stories in 2020. I've put a poll up on my Twitter page, Ackerman1120, and so far, well, you'll have to check the results yourself. I'm not going to say what they are because you have to vote to see the results. And once you vote, check it out. And based on the results of that poll so far, I might even be able to project a winner right now. But we will have a guest based on the results of that poll at 1030, a very special guest lined up for sports on a Sunday morning. The options are St. Louis Battlehawks, the XFL team, which set records in attendance and had a, a tremendous party downtown in the beginning of 2020. Speaking of great parties in the beginning of the year, the NHL All-Star Game. The Blues hosting that, the Stanley Cup champions. What a terrific weekend it was, putting St. Louis hockey on the map worldwide. Also on the list would be Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. What a year they had together. You really think about at their age, this stage in their career, they were two of the best Cardinals all year and had some very memorable moments. Yadi with hit number 2,000. Wayno had his shutout on his birthday, on his 39th birthday, with Yadi catching him. And Wayno also named the Roberto Clemente Award winner, but they had a very memorable year together. So I put that as an option in alphabetical order, Battlehawks, NHL All-Star Game, and Yadi Wayno moments. And then for the fourth option, I put other. And usually when I do these polls, I get some interesting answers, and I've gotten a lot from a lot of support for soccer. Now, the MLS announcement, St. Louis City SC's name came out in 2020, but the actual announcement that St. Louis was getting an MLS team was in 2019. So I didn't put that down as an option. I feel like that's a story that's continuing. A lot of support for St. Louis FC scoring a playoff win in a year where they knew they were going to fold. 
And I think that's also an important story, and I'm glad that people jumped in and put that one down. There are a lot that you could choose from, but I felt like those were the top three and then other. You can go ahead and vote, and then at 1030, we'll tell you what the early results are, and we'll have a special guest based on that. We have a special guest now, as Travis Ford, the Billikens basketball coach, will be with us at 1045. Our guest at 1030 on our Best of St. Louis Sports poll. And right now is AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. And I appreciate you coming on, my friend. First of all, I see a little snow and ice in our forecast this week. So it's timely (laughs) to have you on before we talk a little sports. You know, I knew you were going to do this. And so I actually looked at the models because I've been trying to kind of stay low off of the uh, on the down low on the weather side. Tom, you know, I'm just trying to get a little break. You need, you need a little break. Even even sports guys need a little break from the sports page, right, for a day or so right. sometimes. Um, so, but I did look, and yes, towards the end of the week, there's an interesting storm that tries to kind of go just to the south and east of us. It looks like, uh, what, late Thursday into early Friday uh, could be kind of a wintry mix, snow and ice situation. So we'll keep an eye on that for the end of the week. There's a a little kind of clipper shower system that'll go through later today. And then uh, that cold air is just going to kind of stay just from us northward here as uh, the the country kind of gets uh, dissected here into two parts, a colder north and a little warmer south. See, you got me talking weather. This is a sports show, Tom. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be talking sports this morning. Well, that's the thing is that weather and sports often intersect, and that's the theme of your podcast, Everything Under the Sun. And I, I do believe that for me, the most – why is this, Dean? Why is the most attractive play, NFL playoff game always the one with the worst weather? Why are we so attracted to watching games with snow and ice in the elements? I think because of just the uh, allure of what could happen in that uh, in that mess. And think of all the things that we've seen, you know. Uh, over the years in bad weather games, including the surreal, like uh, in that uh, Patriots game, the guy coming out with the with the broom uh, tractor to clean off the, the spot in the snowstorm so the Patriots could kick a field goal. We've seen uh, the fog game, right? The, the Bears and the Eagles playoff game. Remember that fog game that they couldn't get the right angle uh, to, to watch it? I mean, we've seen some amazing games over the years. And you know, also because, you know, you, you started this off that you wanted to accentuate the positive uh, in sports right now. And I, I agree. I, I've been really taking this kind of time in, in our in our life with the, you know, the celebrating the season and, and the real spirit of it and trying to take uh, a moment to accentuate the positives of the things uh, around me, including uh, like my KMOX radio family. I, I mentioned that uh, uh, the, a couple of days before Christmas on the morning show that I appreciate being on the station so much. And you know, one of the things that I've appreciated is a friendship that has grown over the years with Matt Millen. Um, and, uh, you know, Tom, I think Matt Millen is uh, one of those people where you could get a hundred people in a room from different parts of the country and you get a hundred different opinions of, of, about who Matt Millen is, at least maybe before the event that happened two years ago, which then was well-documented. And, and, you know, talk about Christmas gifts and miracles. I mean, here's a man who, for a lot of people, was either loved or demonized for whatever reason, and then he's gotten the gift of being uh, given a, a heart. <laughs> and then everything that goes with that in terms of uh, being able to be viewed on in a very different uh, way to humanity, you know, about his fight to to survive and, and the accomplishment and, and the blessing. And I don't know, 
you and I have talked about it behind the scenes. I don't know that uh, there's many people I learn more about football from when I watch a broadcast that Matt Millen's on than Matt Millen. I, I really believe that. And I'm not trying to, you know, because he's a Penn Stater or whatever. Because he's a Pennsylvania uh, guy, right. No, you're, you're absolutely great. right. He is. He's. I, I really like him. I love the way he calls a game. He actually called uh, the most famous game in St. Louis football history. He was the analyst on the Rams win over the Titans in Super Bowl 34 mm. with uh, Howard right. David on the play-by-play on Westwood One. Matt was the analyst on that radio yep. call. He did, called a yep. tremendous game. You know, he and and so, look, this, this podcast, Everything Under the Sun, has been a gift to me. This uh, pandemic, we, we kind of revived it at the beginning of the pandemic in March when I was thrust right of um, earlier than most into working from home, creating a studio in my home to sound like I was still at AccuWeather headquarters. And yet, you know, I've got the Luna and Ren, my cats and, and Joel <laughs> after about eight o'clock traipsing around, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a whole different situation, but the podcast and working on this and uh, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a podcast that we try to take things about the weather and life and how they intersect and, and do some magazine type stories. And, it just struck me that Matt would have a lot of stories about playing in weather, and he's got two great stories about one, a Penn State uh, game in 1977, which, as he's talking about it, you know, this is 2020. You can, I was pulling up the footage uh, of that game in 1977, Penn State and Kentucky at Beaver Stadium, and I saw how awful the rain was and how just, just messy it was. Um, and then, uh, you know, we also talk about his transformation. I think he's a, a – story and success where, you know, at first you don't succeed at something, you keep moving and you keep finding something that you're good at. And, uh, it's a, it was a blessing to kind of wrap this uh, podcast year up with this special broadcast. I think people will get some really good messages out of it if they listen to it. Oh, I do too. And when a member of our family does something great and does a great interview, I want it to be recognized for sure. And I'm so glad that you did with Matt Millen. It's really good. And before we go, I don't want to give anything away because I want people to listen to this interview with Matt. But the one thing that got me pretty good was Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Buck did the Ice Bowl. Uh, He actually Mm -hmm. called the Ice Bowl at Lambeau Mm -hmm. in 1967. Uh, He got a wake-up call from the hotel operator that it was minus 17. And that's how his day started. It was the coldest he's ever been. Meanwhile, am I hearing this right, that Matt Millen played in a game in Cleveland where it was minus 36? That's, that's I, you know, it's his claim. I, I have to look back at the actual temperature. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's real or not. Maybe but that was your a friend said something. You know, you, know you, you have friends that tell a little bit of stories and the size <laughs> of the fish they catch or the, 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 the putt length that they make. You just... You go, I, I'm not going to look back. But, yeah, his rookie year, I think minus 36 is what he's saying. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, what I found interesting about that was how both of you agreed that when you're in a situation like that, and I've always wondered how players play in weather that cold, that you do not go to the heat. So you don't go mm-hmm. – you should not put on heavy parkas and stand next mm-hmm. to the heater, nor should you at halftime go into a heated room because it's just going to make it worse when you come back out into the cold, right? Yeah, and I was going to also joke with him that back in those days, you probably didn't want to stand too close to the heaters, too, because they probably weren't protective on you. You could have caught your <laughs> right. uh, your park or whatever on fire. I mean, they didn't have the greatest technology back then. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you have to keep it at an even keel. 
Um, I think the players now obviously have much better protection in terms of that situation on their hands and stuff, but I can't imagine, um, you know, back here in Pennsylvania, it was in the teens the last couple of days, and that just felt awful. And we're talking about a feel, even if it's real feel, that's 50 more degrees below that. And it's just, I could not imagine playing for two or three hours out in that. Uh, it's not something I think I could do. Um, and I give my hats off to all those who do that. And, you know, it's not just the football players. I see uh, all kinds of our college athletes, uh, field hockey players playing, you know, uh, late in the season in the fall and, and weather that you would not want them, you know, anybody to play now. So I give uh, our athletes a lot of credit for doing that. Um, I know you have limited time, my friend. It's uh, always great to catch up with you and the Camelot family. Thank you for uh, talking about this. Uh, we, I just tweeted out a kind of a link to the, to the podcast. If everybody like to listen, share it, um, and then check in with us on everything under the sun. We do uh, some good stuff there. And uh, thank you for I all you do. It. Yeah. Take thank care, you, Dean. Tom. Yeah. I think on a, on an NFL Sunday like this, especially with the playoffs on the line and the weather moving in, it's, it's a good listen. Everything under the sun is found in Apple podcast. Dean DeVore, AccuWeather meteorologist is the host with Matt Millen, the Super Bowl champion. I like this one a lot. Dean, appreciate you being with us on KMOX as always. And we'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Happy new year. I'll be back on Tuesday in the morning on TIA. I will be there. I look forward to talking to you. There's Dean DeVore. Really appreciate it. Again, he's going to be telling us later this week about the possibility of some snow and ice, a little mix here in the St. Louis area moving forward. Well, we do have the Chiefs today at 11, the pregame at 11 o'clock. Chiefs and Falcons will kick off at noon. The Chiefs are 13-1 and on the season and will be taking on a Falcons team that they should handle quite easily. The NFL playoff picture right now, it's wide open. The only team that made it yesterday was Tampa Bay. Out of those three games, Tampa Bay did win over the Lions, 47-7. They ended 12-season playoff drought. They have Tom Brady as their quarterback. Look out. That team can score in a hurry, and if they can get a good pass rush, they're going to be tough to handle. When they want to turn it on, the Buccaneers are really, really good. Miami won on a crazy play as Ryan Fitzpatrick had his helmet turned sideways. looked like he completed his pass while looking through the ear hole of his helmet. It was a face mask, pass and penalty, 41 yards, put the ball on the Vegas 26, set up a game-winning kick for Miami, a 22-yard field goal with 19 seconds left. Raiders, actually a 22-yard field goal with 19 seconds left, put the Raiders up, and then the Dolphins somehow responded and got the win, 26-25. So they are a half game ahead of the Ravens in a battle for the AFC wildcard berth. The Niners really hurt Arizona with a win yesterday, 20-12. to Arizona now no longer controls its own destiny. Cardinals have to look at what the Bears do. If the Bears win their final two games, they're going to get in because of a tiebreaker over the Cardinals. Browns are going to try to get into the playoffs today if they can beat the Jets, but they're very shorthanded. They have have four wide receivers and a pair of linebackers out due to COVID-19 tests. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, tell you what happened yesterday in college basketball and beyond. It's a big day for the Missouri Valley Conference. That's coming up. Illinois with a huge win yesterday over Indiana. We have SLU basketball coach Travis Ford on the way, and our best sports moment and story of 2020 will be featured at 1030 here on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Back after this. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
Tom Ackerman with you. Sports on a Sunday morning continues on what's going to be a pretty nice day, actually. A little cloudy, but a nice mild day here in St. Louis. Then we get chilly again the rest of the week. That's basketball weather for sure. How about the Fighting Illini? Boy, they're good. Now, you know I'm an Indiana alum, so it hurts to read this. Illini fans can laugh along as this Hoosier fan watches my team score 60 points. They're not very good offensively. They are good defensively. And for a while there, they were shutting down Io DeSumo. Indiana had the lead in the second half. They looked good. They were in position to win it. Brad Underwood called a timeout and challenged his team, and he went to Io and he said, go be the best player in the country and finish this game out. And guess what? It's exactly what he did. He also told his team that he wasn't very happy about their rebounding and challenged him to do that. But he went right after his team, and that's exactly what Illinois did responding. They are tough just like him. I think this is a really good basketball team. Even though they've dropped three, there is no shame in some of these losses that they've had, and they will rebound. And yesterday, DeSumo came out and looked like an NBA player. I mean, he had three straight threes. Illinois went on a 14-0 run, and the number 18 team in the country, Illinois, beat Indiana 69-60. Kofi Coburn had 15 points and 15 rebounds, 7 feet, 285 pounds. He was dominant inside. But DeSumo with 30 points, he is just a tremendous clutch player, one of the best clutch shooters I've seen in a long, long time. He was 11 of 17 from the floor. He scored 30 points. He was red hot from three. As I mentioned, he hit three straight. He was four of five from beyond the arc yesterday, and Illinois wins the game 69-60. So they're six and three. That's a good home win for them against Indiana. Big day in the Missouri Valley Conference. The league is getting started today with four games. Drake at Indiana State at noon. Illinois State at Loyola at three. Missouri State at Northern Iowa. Evansville plays at three, and they visit the other regional team that should be getting a little more attention, I think. You know, there's a, an undefeated team at Missouri. We know Mizzou is good. We know Illinois is good. Missouri beat them, but Illinois is a legit NCAA tournament threat. They could go deep in the tournament with this team. That team is absolutely loaded. SLU we know is good, too. I mean, SLU lost uh, to Minnesota, but this is a Big Ten right now that has tons of size and talent, and SLU just had a bit of an off game there defensively. But we know SLU's good, and Travis Ford will be with us at 1045. The other team people aren't talking about is Southern Illinois. Now, they're 6-0, and and the Salukis hosting Evansville today at 3. That team is fun to watch, and they'll be playing today as the Valley gets started. And uh, there's, you know, a lot of you just cross your fingers that you can get through this basketball schedule. There's a lot on the line for sure for many of these institutions. Very sorry to hear the passing of Rich Heron, the longtime SIU coach, died late Christmas day at the age of 87. You know, he was a, uh, he played at McKendry, first of all, but he was a high school coach at Benton High School, Benton, Illinois. He was a legendary coach there, then went straight to SIU in 1985 and got them going again. Went to the Arch Madness Tournament as champion in NCAA tournament. Uh, He got them to the postseason multiple times. Second winning as coach in SIU history at 225 wins. Uh, and so many people that I talked to yesterday talked about him as a gentleman and a terrific coach. Rich Heron passed away uh, late Friday night at the age of 87. So what is the top St. Louis sports story? We'll say not top, the best 
the best feel-good St. Louis sports story in 2020? Was it Yachty and Wayno and all the things they accomplished together? Was it the NHL All-Star Game and what the Blues were able to do at the beginning of the year and put St. Louis on the map worldwide? Or was it the St. Louis Battlehawks, the XFL team that burst ahead and threatened to fill the dome before COVID ended the XFL? We'll reveal the current leader in the clubhouse in the poll and have a very special guest on the way. My poll is available on my Twitter page at Ackerman1120. Sports on a Sunday morning continues with that special guest right after this. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Tom Ackerman with you. Our producer is James O'Sullivan. We've had a good time so far talking a little sports, and here's a few. here are a few that I think you can smile about for 2020. We know this was a very, very tough year for everybody, and we can't wait to move forward into 2021. But you can look back, and it seems like forever ago, but there were some great sports stories, including the NHL All-Star Game. Here in St. Louis, the Blues hosted that. It was a tremendous weekend all around. What a great time it was, not only for the Blues, but think about St. Louis hockey history right now and what is being made with all of these young players now blossoming into NHL stars. You had Matthew and Brady Kachuk back in St. Louis reunited as their dad watches Keith Kachuk, my guest on the Garage Happy Hour not long ago, talking about that. Here he is watching them and the arena where he once played. I mean, there are some great stories for sure. Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright playing together and performing at a very high level. Yachty gets his 2,000th hit. Wayno with a shutout on his 39th birthday with Yachty catching him. Had a lot of people chiming in on this poll that I put out on my Twitter page today, Ackerman 1120, with St. Louis City SC. Well, that is a, an ongoing tremendous story. In reality, they announced that the MLS team was going to come to St. Louis in 2019, but they're still making news, building a stadium, came with up with the team name, uh, St. Louis FC had a great year. Uh, really, I mean, it's a tough year for sure because they folded, but that what an accomplishment to go out and win a playoff game when you know that the season and your franchise is going to come to an end. But the number one story based on my Twitter poll at Ackerman 1120, let me check where we are right now on the uh, votes. We're up to 1,130 oh, 1, votes in the last, oh, couple of hours. And the St. Louis Battlehawks have received 51% of the vote as the best St. Louis sports story in 2020. Yachty and Wayno, 24%. NHL All-Star Game, 20%. And then other, 5%. And some of the topics that people threw out there are mentioned uh, on that Twitter thread. But joining us... As I'm going to project it right now, this is going to be the winner at 51%. Kurt Hunzecker, the former president of the St. Louis Battlehawks, is with us on KMOX. What does that feel like to be named as, at least early on here in the first couple hours, by fans as the best sports story in St. Louis in 2020? Well, good morning, Tom. Thanks for having us, or thanks for having me. Um, You know, it just encapsulates everything that we loved about bringing this team to life with the community, uh, how much they embrace it even now, 10 months later. 
that they still have those great memories. And, and like I shared with you previously, I mean, those are the memories. Those two home games will be something that no pandemic can ever take away. What a time it was. I mean, you think back to the the hard work that it took for you and your staff, uh, the grassroots effort to spread the word about the XFL. First of all, what was the challenge that you faced there, knowing that St. Louis is a great sports town, but also knowing that you had something new and you had to you had to really work hard to get it out there? Well, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> a lot of people thought we had the easiest path because we did not have an NFL team. What we ran into in reality was a very strong headwind because of the reasons why we didn't have an NFL team. And, I mean, at at its core, a lot of fans, when we went out to the high school football games, to the bars, to the various community events, they're like, hey, we we just can't fall in love again. My heart's been broken once or twice. Uh, you know, we, now, good luck, best wishes. And we had to flip that pretty quickly. And by really asking the St. Louis community to help us build this team, build the first homegrown pro football team in St. Louis history, that really helped change the narrative. And then, you know, the way that our personality was being friendly and approachable, <laughs> we kept telling people, just just go out on one date, come to one game, yeah, see how it feels. <laughs> and that first game, I mean, February 23rd, uh, that, that, that is just the most ridiculous day I've ever had in my life uh, professionally. It was just the goosebumps I had really from getting off of 70 at Broadway at 6 in the morning and seeing uh, plumes of smoke because everybody's already starting to tailgate all the way through the game. I mean, yeah, that, that was just an electric day. Yeah, I remember you showing up to our broadcast position at Ballpark Village, which you helped coordinate. The Battlehawks set us up at Ballpark Village uh, before, and we did this show from there. And you had the biggest smile on your face because you had seen. I hadn't seen the tailgate scene yet. I had gone straight from KMOX over to Ballpark Village and heard about it, but you had seen it with your own eyes. And then when we wrapped up the show, I walked over there and was absolutely blown away. I could not get enough. I, I immediately I, I became a fan. Uh, cracked open a beer, hung out with some friends, uh, just kind of breathed it all in, you know. And and I'm sure you did as well. As as much of a business day as that was for you, you had to pause and soak it in, didn't you? Well, I, I was forced to by both Oliver Luck and Jeffrey Pollack, uh, Oliver the commissioner at the time, and Jeffrey the president of the league still. And, and I picked up Jeffrey on the way to you at Ballpark Village, and, and Jeffrey's like, how did you do this? <laughs> and, and that was the conversation all the way to all the way to you and and cause, you know everybody read the reports and there was a constant stream of communication between each of the eight XFL teams and our headquarters in Connecticut. But when you it, it, it took until you saw it, and we were the last team to debut at home. Uh, we were on the road for the two uh, first two weeks, and then we played on Sunday. And so yeah, it, all of us soaked it in just because it was the hard work of not just the Battlehawks team, the 22 of us in the front office, Coach Hayes and his staff on the football side, but really the whole league. I mean, and and obviously the St. Louis community had such a vital role in making that day what it ended up being. we, We said this many, many times. We felt really confident going into that game because we were delivering the experience St. Louis fans wanted. We asked him for the seven months and one week before I started, or since I started, 
that was a constant question. What do you want the game experience to be like? And so, um, you know, some, not everything worked, but for the most part, we were hitting on all cylinders that first game. Yeah, it was electric. I mean, the lower bowl was filled. Kennedy Holmes with the uh, national anthem. Place is absolutely rocking. There was a return for a touchdown. I mean, everything going your way. And the Battle Hawks were on the map now. St. Louis was back on the map as, uh, like, wait a minute. That's not just a baseball town. That's not just a hockey town either. That is a football town. And that was kind of the point. And then when Los Angeles was to come in, and the dome was ticking upwards towards mid forties, fifty thousand, maybe even more. Kurt, uh, that's something we'll never really know, or maybe we will. Who knows? I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But uh, we had uh, an opportunity to, to absolutely blow the doors off that story. It's a shame that we never got to that. But just to think about what that could have been uh, is even fascinating. No question. I mean, when. When we suspended the season on March 12th, we were over 36,000 tickets sold. And our pace was about, it was increasing. It was about seven to 7,500 a day. So we would have easily gotten to 50 to 55. And it would have been the full circle around the top only because of the cabling we had for the broadcasters. Mm-hmm. So at 55, 56, you probably would have been the max where you weren't going to have obstructed views or anything like that. And we would have been there for L.A., and I absolutely would have left it up for the final two games. So, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the what if that will drive you insane. Um, I'm pretty confident we would have gotten there. But just how loud would, would that have been would have been that, – that's hard to, to picture. It's hard, it's it's hard to realize. People. Yeah, just to, like, put that in perspective. So Bush Stadium 2 – folks the old bush stadium before they built the scoreboard out in center field when those were all seats that entire stadium held about 55 so just think about that Uh, that would be like the old bush stadium packed with not one more person allowed inside at full throat with a roof on top that's what we're talking about there so yeah i mean we and you've experienced nfl games inside that place but to have something like that would have been amazing. And I know that there's another side to the story while I'm calling it, well, well, our listeners are calling this the best sports story of 2020, and I am also. It's also one of the hardest ones because I know that that day that you mentioned, March 12th, I believe you said, was the exact date uh, that the XFL announced that it was going to fold, was, um, was a tough one. Uh, but now we start to get the, the word that uh, with The Rock, and his ownership group and the and XFL making a return that, you know, how could they overlook St. Louis? It's it's hard to, to possibly. I don't know how much you can say. Of course, I'd, I'd love to know that you're involved in what's to come, but what do you know about this new XFL and what The Rock is building? I don't know anything because I am not associated with it and haven't talked to anybody with it. Uh, I did send a holiday greeting to to Jeffrey uh, right before the holidays, but I haven't heard from anybody. I'm not a part of anything. Um, I do know just on the first iteration, a lot of the leases were in place before they announced the cities. So I imagine from a chronological standpoint, and I think there have been reported stories of those conversations happening in multiple cities, including a lot of the existing XFL markets. You know, it's, it's, it's a process. The good news is, is when you're hoping to kick off in 2022, if you're looking at the same calendar, 
as they were preparing to launch in 2020, things ramped up pretty quickly in Q1 of the year before you launch. So I was I interviewed for the job in April of 19, and then started July of 19. And there was just a handful of president, presidents, team presidents that started in April and May. So you know, Q1, uh, if that holds true to launch in 2022, I would anticipate fans seeing a lot more news coming from the new XFL ownership in the coming weeks and months. But as of right now, I have zero involvement with any of it. Well, we appreciate that information. I would tell folks to hold on to your gear just a little bit longer and hold on to that hope because that was fun. And it sounds like this group is pretty serious about putting out a great product that not necessarily they're trying to compete with the NFL, but trying to show that football is a year-round sport and certainly that these markets are football-friendly, football-enthusiastic, and St. Louis absolutely made news being number one in so many different categories across the XFL. It was unbelievably impressive, and it was orchestrated much in part by not only a great team, but their leader, Kurt Hunzecker, who's joined us on KMOX today, voted by the Twitter followers today as the number one best sports story in 2020. That is exciting. Kurt, thanks so much on short notice for joining us on KMOX. Really appreciate it. No, thank you, Tom. And I'm, I'm really disappointed that Missouri did not play Indiana in the Outback Bowl. We would have had a lot more fun leading up to that game, I think. Oh, don't get me started on, on Indiana being, <laughs> being knocked out. Although, you know, the Outback Bowl is kind of fun for Tom Allen. He's, he's from that area. A lot of those kids, mm-hmm. a lot of the players are from that area. He used to coach at Ole Miss, a lot of ties there. But, of course, we'd like to be playing uh, a more prominent uh, situation. But we'll just uh, take it from there. I appreciate it, my friend. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. There's Kurt Hunzecker. Great to have him on KMOX. When we come back, another friend of ours, Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens, with us. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown and Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Appreciate Kurt Hunzecker for joining us last segment on short notice as the Twitter fans voted his team the best sports story of 2020. The former president of the St. Louis Battlehawks, best St. Louis sports story. I don't think that's a bad pick at all. Uh, That was a a lot of fun to watch, no doubt about it. And there were some good ones he was up against, the NHL All-Star game. And also uh, the uh, Yachty Wayno experience, which we hope uh, continues. I, I think a lot of people certainly hope it continues here in St. Louis. But we thank Kurt Hunzecker for being with us. I'll tell you another team that could have made uh, some serious waves in 2020 had COVID not stopped the season. That was St. Louis University. Billikens were playing really well going into the A-10 tournament last year and had their season brought to an end as they were in the middle of practice in New York. And they have come back as a force here in 2020-21. And their coach is Travis Ford, who joins us uh, just about every Sunday here at 1045. Right now it's 1049, and we appreciate you waiting a few more minutes there. Coach, how are you? Well, I'm doing good, Tom. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Uh, happy holidays, and uh, all's good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, same to you. Uh, you know, this has been a very good year for you. I know that every single game, uh, we just cross our fingers and hope that we can make through to another one with COVID uh, really, you know, 
sending a lot of the scheduling into disarray. Uh, you've only had one game postponed, and that was Evansville. Otherwise, you've been able to uh, get some victories under your belt. You lost to Minnesota but came back with a nice win over Kansas City. Duquesne is up next for you on Wednesday at 6 o'clock, so a full week between Kansas City and Duquesne. Hey, eh, Coach? Yeah, and we... You know, it was a hard-fought victory against Kansas City. Uh, they've got a, a really nice team. But it was good to get a win after the loss coming, you know, a, a road loss to Minnesota, which obviously Minnesota's after our game, has beat Iowa, the number four-ranked team in the country. So, you know, I've been telling everybody how good Minnesota is. That was a, a hard-fought game. We had a chance under two minutes to to, to even win it at their place. Uh, but we're coming out of non-conference uh you know, feeling that, okay, we kind of did what we needed to do a little bit. Uh, can't complain too much about 7-1. and one. And, you know, again, the only loss at Minnesota with good wins over LSU and NC State, who both have, have gone on to win big games since since our games. So we feel like we've, we've done okay non-conference, but understanding that, you know, you got a, a flip, a switch has got to flip a little bit when you hit conference play. It is a little bit of different mentality and that every game – you're playing for something as far as a, a, a championship. You're playing for seedings in the A-10 tournament. You're, and even as I talked to our team yesterday, if we do, we take care of our business and do some of the things we should do or we want to do, then hopefully we're trying to play for seedings in the NCAA tournament. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think that's something our team needs to look at. Uh, every game is important at, at this point. Uh, and Duquesne, as you mentioned, uh, it's kind of had our number uh, last year a little bit. So, you know, we, we come right out of the gates with a very difficult game. Yeah, I was at that game last year and uh, at Chaffetz, and they did have a successful run against you. That said, I mean, this is a SLU team that is deep, talented, and the one thing that impressed me most over all of the non-conference was how you responded against NC State. I mean, NC State came in, and obviously they'd had some COVID issues, as a lot of teams have had, but they're very talented, and it just to, for and you would know the specific reason, but your team turned it on and responded and came through with a 51-point second half to beat the Wolfpack 80-69. to That's as impressive as anything you've done so far. Well, you know, thank you. I, you know, it was a good win. We didn't think we played very well the first half um and you know we were going against uh, two teams that are very veteran experienced teams uh you know they're starting five they have the whole starting five back from last year that uh, was very experienced team on the court uh no different than us um but yeah it was a good win for us against an extremely talented offensive team you know that north carolina state went on i think the next game or two games later beat north carolina uh, and so it, it turned out to be a really good win for us. They're going to go on and win a lot of games in the ACC. Um, but uh, same thing with LSU. You know, LSU hasn't lost since us. Uh, LSU's got a really talented team. So two good wins uh, that uh, we're, we were glad we were able to get, uh, and hopefully they'll help us down the road a little bit if we if we can play well in conference play. Yeah, those are great ones. And again, the non-conference, you know, you, you want to win them all, of course, but it's mostly to show and get yourself ready for a rigorous conference schedule, and you have that ahead of you. But some great ones, and as you mentioned, those teams all have performed well, which helps you greatly. Gosh, I wonder why teams won't call Travis Ford back to when he wants to play them. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a mystery. 
Yeah, it's been it's been tough, uh, but you know you kind of understand a little bit. But it's been difficult. We we appreciate NC State was kind of a last minute game. Little, I think we scheduled it, and two days later we played it. Um, that's how fast it happened. Uh, so it's been a, a crazy scheduling year, without a doubt. But you know, I just shared with same thing you just said. I shared with our team. Non conference is all about figuring out who you are. Every year it's a little bit different what you're trying to figure out. Some years if you're inexperienced and you have a kind of a new team and you're rebuilding whatever you want to say, you're just trying to survive and get a feel for rotations. You're trying to get a feel for what works. If you're a more experienced team like we are, um, you know, you're 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 trying to play for something. Um and you wanna you wanna come out of non conference not hurting yourself. And I don't think we hurt ourselves. You can help yourself, which I think we ended up doing a little bit. Uh, but you just don't want to hurt yourself, and you want to get better to try to use that for A-10 play. I, I think we've done that to this point. We have about a minute left, and I, I know we always I always try to feature one player in this interview with you, and you have so many to choose from. I mean, Jordan Goodwin just recently was three assists away from a triple-double. Hassan French is so tough inside. Javante Perkins is a very, very talented special scorer. But, God, every time I see Yuri Collins play, I think what a gift you have there. And, and you worked hard to get him, and there he is, a local product. He just has the makings of one of the best point guards in the country at this point, doesn't he? No, I agree with you 100%, especially for what he means to our team. Uh, and he's still a young basketball player. He's still very young. Um, he's got some experience under his belt, but he's he, he's, he's barely a sophomore. Um, you know, Yuri is fun to coach uh, in the fact that I don't worry about that position. You know, it's just, all right, I know what he's going to bring every night. And that's a for a coach – a pretty good feeling we know we don't have to worry about who he's guarding you know we we can kind of say all right he's going to do the job on that guy usually uh we know what he's going to try to do every game he's going to try to make other people better with the ball he's going to handle the ball for us get us in an offense he's going to play unselfish and as a coach when you know what you're going to get out of a player especially at the level he plays at it's very comforting and uh he does that for us he brings a toughness to our team that rubs off on everybody else. Every player on our team, we were just commenting uh, on this the other day uh, about Yuri as a staff. He's very quiet. That's the only thing. He's an extremely quiet guard. We said we wish he would speak up a little bit more and get on to guys because there's not a soul that's going to say a word back to him. There's not one player that's going <laughs> to even get close to saying anything to him because they all know he's about all the right things. He's going to do the right thing. He's tough. He's, he's making all the extra efforts. And you can't say, as a teammate, you know, you can't say anything to him if he were to kind of get onto you. Uh, and, and we wish he would do that a little bit more. Well, we look forward to what he can do in the Atlantic 10. Coach Travis Ford, all the best to you. Duquesne on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. For James O'Sullivan, I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.